0: You guys are blessed with such an amazing man of God, and who who loves you so much, and um, who definitely challenges me like on a weekly basis because just how God speaks to him and and ministers through him. So, um, what a what a blessed place! I was just uh, I always say you shouldn't minister to someone until you get the Father's heart for them, and I had. I had uh, this morning, the Lord was just reminding me of that. I was just praying, Lord, give me, give me just the Father's heart for um, this amazing community. And I just began to be touched by the Holy Spirit for you guys. And just uh, what an incredible, incredible you know, group of people. And I've met so many amazing people and just servants of God and, and lovers of Jesus. So I just, I just bless this house and um, just can't wait to see what God continues to pour out in you and through you. And you guys just carry the, the spirit of humility, but, but also the spirit of hunger and thirst for all that God has. So just, just bless you. Your worship's amazing. Um, I, just, I just feel like God's going to use you in mighty, mighty and abundant ways. So just, uh, just keep listening to him. And, uh, and Justin is like omnipresent. I don't know how he does. I'd really like to steal him and take him back to Seattle. But he can't come. Amen. Well, bless you guys. I uh, I was going back and forth on really what to what to teach this morning, and uh, really landed really landed on this. So I, I I just I pray it blesses you, Jesus. We just ask for uh, your the the fullness of um, what you want to bring into light today, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would do what you do. You illuminate both the word and you illuminate the hearer, God, that you um, illuminate our heart to see and to hear and to know, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our yes carries a lot of weight in heaven, that when we say yes on planet Earth, it moves you in heaven to begin pouring out in our lives. So we just pray, would you show us any areas of our life that we need to repent of so that we can dive deeper into the heart of the Lord in Jesus' name today, Amen. Um, do you love the gift of repentance? Oh man, it's like it, it's it's such a gift and it's not just when you come to the altar the first time it's a continual lifestyle of seeing the beauty of god and every time you see his beauty in a new way it makes you long for more and want to step into more and we get there through repentance so i love i love just that jesus allows us this precious gift as sons and daughters just um, it's it's way more fun to repent in sonship you know what i mean like you're a son and so you just keep repenting as a son like lord there's more to you there's just more that you want to reveal and so um, this is probably one of my favorite. I have like probably 100 favorite messages, but today this is one of my favorite messages. And um, it's about the, about the full diversity of the Holy Spirit and um, what God wants to release on that. And so um, how many know like we, we need the holy fire of God on the church? Um, we don't need like man's ideas, man's programs. Uh, I feel like we've seen what man can do, and it just falls short of the glory of God. And, and God's inviting us into a, a knowing and an experience of what he can do. Um, God, God is um, obsessed seemingly with fire. He, like, like, really, have you ever just hung out in the, like, in the fire of God in Scripture? Like, he's seemingly obsessed with it. Um, you know, Jesus walks among the seven lamps of fire. Jesus has burning eyes of fire. Uh, the, sea, the sea of glass before the Lord is mingled with fire. Um, in all four Gospels, John the Baptist, like, uh, sometimes we get this wrong. He, Jesus is the Lamb of God, all of those things. But John the Baptist, in all four Gospels, points, points out the fact that he is the one who will baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. So, so John the Baptist points to Jesus as the baptizer of fire. Jesus, when he came, he said, I wish there was already a fire on this earth. Like, uh, you know, he's looking, for, he's looking for the burning ones. He's looking for the, the heart sealed with fire. It's just everywhere in Scripture, like, God wants his, his church burning. Like, he's looking for a hot, fiery bride. Not a cold-hearted, stale... You know, that, that's his longing that there would be the expression of heaven on earth. So the same fire that he walks, walks among would be the, the fire of the Holy Spirit in his church. Like the full diversity of, of God with, within us. And so, like a a house of, a house of prayer... Um, you could call it a house of contending, but it's also it's it, prayer so enjoyable because it's it's a house of realizing and recognizing the joy of the Lord and singing it out. It's it's praying and singing out the prophetic will of God as we align with Scripture. There's just so much that like um, that we we align the prayer room and stoking the fiery flame of worship and prayer as the Levitic, Leviticus six called. To keep the fire on the altar always burning. So, like one of the one of the main roles as as we as New Covenant priests is how do we keep the fire on the altar consistently burning? Because God is all about fire. The number one warning, the number one warning before Christ's return is um, don't let your hearts grow cold. Don't so, so what that says to me is, um, a main priority would be keep the fire on your heart burning and keep the corporate fire on the altar burning. Because a church that's not burning is going to, to fade into culture. Um, it, it's going to drink. like there's, there's a Babylonian cup that's offered at, at the end of the age. there's two, two main cups. I know I'm all over the place right now, I'll get to the message. There's, there's two main cups you'll drink from. It's the Babylonian cup that the culture and the world and Satan and, and all that he's, he's put together. And it's a very attractive cup. That's the thing. It's not ugly to a lot of people because there is this um, social justice element to it. There, there is this unity to it. There is like he's stolen from the kingdom of God. He's twisted it because that's what he does. He's a Leviathan. He twists things, and he makes the cup look very, very attractive. And it kind of looks like God, kind of. And then Jesus offers this cup, the cup that's him. Eat and drink of me. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Worship me. Like it. Like there is. There is at the end of the age. Two worship um, movements happening: the worship of God and the worship of Satan. There's no, there's no in between. Like Satan, Satan owns the Babylonian cup. Like, like he's 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 the like the one blessing that cup. Satan's called the Father in Scripture. You know, it, there's, there's two movements right now. There's the worship movement that's going after God and everything that he wants to release on planet Earth. And there's the bab. Most people don't realize they're following Satan when they drink the Babylonian cup. They just are. Everyone has a father. And, and so who, who do you let father you? Who do you let lead you? What, what cup will we drink from? And so we're, we're a committed people to only drink from the cup of the Lord. Amen? And, and to take back what's been stolen and plundered and really say, look, we're going after the real fire, the fire of God, the, uh, the authentic. I, I love Chad's message last week, you know, Elijah. And he's, Elijah says, the, the true God, he'll answer with fire. <laughs> and so we, we want to be a, a, a fiery, a fiery loving people. Um, but it's not a fire we can create. It's not we can't do it like it's it's a, a fire we yield to, but but we press we press in for that. And so um, Revelation four five tells us this. And Revelation four and five, if you're not familiar with that or you haven't hung out there, or or you're afraid of Revelation, like can I just like lovingly say like get over your fear and get in it, get in Revelation four and five. It reveals the beauty of Jesus and, and the beauty of heaven, the beauty of the throne room. It is a wonderful, wonderful picture of God. It gives you the lens in which you can, you can look through any difficulty through the beauty of God and still be, can, still be um, absolutely strong and hopeful. If you try to look at difficulty or if you, try to, if you try to elevate the plan of God over the man of God, you get yourself in trouble. Like, we elevate the man, Christ Jesus, and as we see his beauty, we're able to look at some incredible some incredible things, and the Lord can, can break things open. But Revelation 4, 4, 5 tells us, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So, so that uh, we're going to hang out on that that place. Seven um, lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. It doesn't mean there's seven different spirits there's not seven holy spirits it's the diversity and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So before the throne is the full measure, of the Holy Spirit, um, yet God gives every single believer the deposit of the Holy Spirit uh, when they believe. So it's this incredible thing. Jesus walks among the seven lampstands, so he he walks among the burning. Um, the seraphim, the ones closest to God, are the burning ones. They're like just everything close to God catches fire. That's why everything, everything in the tabernacle and everything in the temple had to be gold. It had to, the closer you got to the holy of holies, everything turned gold. Have you noticed that? Everything. Everything in there was gold. Why? Because it had to sustain fire. It had to be withhold under fire. When you look at heaven, the streets made of gold, everything, you're talking about, um, we don't need the sun anymore. God's going to shame the sun when He comes. His countenance will be so bright, we'll have no need for the sun anymore. So everything in heaven is going to be refined by fire, and everything's going to be like gold because it has to contain the heavy weightiness of the Kavad, the glory of God. And so each time we're being refined, uh, we can look at two ways. We can look at, like, this is really painful, or this is making me like gold, so I can actually actually hold more glory of God. And so um, Jesus walks among the seven lampstands, and there's a longing, I believe, in heaven for, for this measure, the full diversity of the Holy Spirit to be released upon his church. Isaiah 11-2 reveals the sevenfold ministry. So so what are the seven burnings? If there's there's seven candles, I want to be lit with every fire. Amen? Like I I don't want to deny fire God wants to put in my life. And so um, some people also view Isaiah 11-2 as the mind of Christ. So when we read Isaiah 11-2, so I'm going to give you an interpretation that you don't have to be in full agreement with, amen? How many know, test the words of the pastor, the preacher? I could be wrong. Praise the Lord. I need to say that often because I have to stand before God in judgment someday. So, like, like test what I say, but I really think I'm right, can I say that as well? Or I wouldn't preach it. And so, um, but if not, it will open up maybe a new way of, understa- uh, of understanding. And so um, th- these seven spirits of God, and obviously we'd have to have a much diverse study to go into the full presence of the Holy Spirit, everything that he does. But we're going to look at these seven burnings, and I'm just going to focus on one really. Um, so we understand when we're, uh, we're asking for For more of the presence. We're asking for more of Jesus to be made manifest through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're asking. So sometimes we um, disassociate a presence like something rather than someone. And, And God really wants us to understand we're asking for someone. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to manifest the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit's favorite topic. The Father can't stop talking about the Son. The Son can't stop talking about the Father. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of the Father. He loves revealing the Son. They're so intertwined so beautifully that, that we want to we catch this. When we're asking, Lord, give me more, we're saying, I want more of Jesus revealed in my heart, in my life. And so um, Jesus gives us this promise in John 14, 21 that I love praying. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's the promise that Jesus will reveal himself to those who love him. So revelation is promised to the believer. It's promised. He will reveal himself to those who love him. And so um, a, a beautiful thing. So if you were to actually walk through the tabernacle um, that Moses and, and the Israelites carried around for 40 years, you would actually see a, um, a, a golden lamp with seven different burnings, what we would consider the menorah. Seven different flames, you know, a, a branch with three rods on the right, three rods on the left, and a, and a main stem. And so Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles, you, you can turn there, or you can trust I'm reading the Bible, even through an iPad, says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so many people like myself say, well, I see six, where's the seventh? Well, I'm going to focus on the seventh that sometimes gets overlooked, but I, but I would argue it's the main most important function of all of it, and it's which all of them flow through. And that is the first one mentioned, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and that's the resting spirit of Jehovah. Wow. The resting spirit of Jehovah. The rest are easy to point out. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. I, I think the resting spirit and the spirit of the fear of the Lord are intentionally the sandwich that everything else flows, flows through. And if I could preach another sermon here, I'd preach on the spirit of the fear of the Lord being released upon the church. Because it's a gift that has to be restored to the church. The fear of the Lord removes all fear of man. It's one of the greatest gifts God has given us. If you fear God, you fear nothing else. If you don't fear God, you fear everything. If the fear of God is such a, such a blessed gift. But we're, gonna, we're not talking about that, you guys. So why are you guys bugging me right now? Okay. So we're going to look at this, this first ministry, um, which I believe all others flow from. The resting spirit of Jehovah. I would, I would say this is the most important for any individual, and it's most important for a church that wants to be a house of prayer, because you want to build a dwelling place where he rests. Yes. You, you know, the, the old Pentecostal used to say, we don't want a visitation, we want a habitation. Yes. Like, we want him to actually inhabit a place. Uh, and when revival would happen across the land, that's what would happen. The glory of God would come in such a way that it wasn't just the omnipresence that was everywhere. The manifest presence would come and settle in an area over a specific designated time, sometimes years. When you look at some of these revival revival movements, sometimes days, but He would come down in such a form that awareness of God would have would have a, a reach in the city um, or in a village, and people. Would become aware of God's presence without anyone even preaching to them. They'd simply they would fall down and repent because they realize God has made His home here. That's what we're asking for. We want revival. That's why we need to build dwelling places for the Lord. That people that people don't evangelism is twofold. We go out, but look at John the Baptist's um, evangelism technique. He didn't do anything. He preached the gospel in the desert, and the anointing was so strong on a man of God that it drew all the hypocrites, it drew all the Romans, it drew all the religious to a place because one man carried the presence of God. And it's not to say we don't go out, I'm I'm not suggesting that, but I'm suggesting if we carry what we're supposed to, there'll be lots of times we don't have to go out because so many are coming in at such a rapid pace. And so this, this first ministry, this desire of God, it's, it's one of the identifying marks of the life of Jesus Christ. That he, he was filled and overflowing beyond that of any man. We, we understand that. He had the Spirit without measure, Scripture tells us. But the Holy Spirit rested upon his ministry. Jesus never did anything his entire life to grieve the Holy Spirit. Never. If you look at the word grieve, it's actually an emotional word. One of my my favorite authors is R.T. Kendall. I don't know if anybody's read uh, many R.T. Kendall books, but an amazing, amazing uh, pastor and author. And um, he writes a lot on the Holy Spirit. And he almost almost named one of his books, but he felt like the Lord told him to change it, um, The Oversensitive Holy Spirit. And and the reason he changed the name because he didn't want to portray the wrong idea. But the right idea is that there are, there are many attitudes and lack of reflections of God that grieve the Holy Spirit. And what we need to understand is as his children, grieving the Holy Spirit doesn't make you lose your salvation, but it does make you lose your fellowship. And there's a difference. Like, and I I don't want to get into that a little bit because there's there's ways we can grieve God and still be saved, but not live out our inheritance in the Lord because we don't have that fellowship with Him. Does that make sense? Like He doesn't erase your book from the Lamb's Book of Life when you're an idiot. Praise the Lord because I'm an idiot. I, you know, <laughs> praise praise God. Um. But but He does remove fellowship to draw us into deeper places, and so. Um, Jesus, Jesus never did anything. Like, I've been married, it'll be 25 years, which I know it's hard to believe because I look really young. But I've been married, it'll be 25 years, and I do lots of things that have grieved my wife. Amen? She's done lots of things. In relationship, you grieve people. You're probably grieved with someone or you're grieving someone right now in some, in some measure. Like, you know what I mean? To say that Jesus never, ever, ever, ever grieved the Father or the Holy Spirit is saying something. He was so in alignment so an awareness of how the, how the Father felt about everyone. So, so perfectly moving with the wind. So aware of heavenly things that he could release heaven on earth without ever, ever upsetting emotionally in any way the Holy Spirit. Isn't that? And that's what we're invited into? Is it, that, that's what blows my mind. He invites us to live in such a way that I don't grieve God. God. And I think the more we set our heart on that and the more we live, and I think in sonship, I realize um, I don't always live perfectly in it. Like I could have an attitude so quickly that that doesn't align with the Holy Spirit. But in sonship, I don't have to go beat myself up. I just turn back into the flame. Amen? Just, I, I don't, I, don't I, I used to think, oh, I had to put myself on the cross you know because I messed up, and i didn 't get any breakthrough that way. It just beat myself up over more you know I, I, at some point, you have to realize Jesus took all the beatings, all the wounds, all the bruises, so you don 't have to, so we just turn our affections back to the Lord and just we, we live repentant, and so the birth of the church happened um, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, He filled them, and He marked them both with the indwelling Holy Spirit and the presence of God within their midst. And sometimes we focus on one or the other, and it's and it's both, and it's all it's it's the Holy Spirit within, but it's also the Holy Spirit resting on us. When Jesus um, came through Nazareth, we uh, we love this text, Luke four eighteen through twenty. But maybe listen to it in a new light today. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So Jesus opens the scroll to Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. Before I read it, I want you to think about this for a second. Because uh, do you guys ever sing that song, Open the Scroll, Break the Seal? Okay, okay, sorry. So there's this really cool song called Open the Scroll, Break the Seal, and it's really looking at Revelation. But today I felt the Holy Spirit say, you realize Jesus was the only one worthy to hold this scroll. All before him read about it, and now here, here comes the Messiah. Here comes Yeshua. Here comes the one, the, the one with, with the anointing, the one that the dove rested on. And he picks up and he reads Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And verse 18 of, of Luke 4 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's on me. He's not just in me. He's not just around me. He's on me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I didn't realize this, but I was, I was reading about like an interesting practice in Jesus' day, that the Jews would actually reserve a special seat in the synagogue kept for the appearance of the Messiah. So by faith, they they had a chair that no one one could ever sit in. It was a special chair, always empty, that no one could sit in. After Jesus finished speaking, the scripture says he sat down. That he actually sat down in the reserved chair, and it caught the attention of every single person in attendance. So when Jesus said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, he basically told him the scripture is talking about me. Jesus knew he was the anointed one. Isn't that incredible? Anoint, anoint is a is a, really it's a messy term. It means to smear, you know. It means to consecrate. When you look at the the Old Testament anointing, it was you know the prophet showing up with an animal's horn filled with oil, that he would dump the entire thing on, on the individual, and it was messy. If you look at the anointing, the Lord resting on people, um, I like to say he's in you for you, he's on you for everyone else. He's in you for you, he's on you for everyone else. Amen? Amen? And so we learned to operate in the anointing. We learned to operate in like what does it look like when the Holy Spirit rests upon an individual? What does it look like? Well, if you're if you're anointed, let's let's picture the Old Testament like you're greasy. You're oily. You know, everything you touch gets a little oil on it. You know what I mean? You open a door, you leave oil. You walk through the house, you leave oil. You just are leaving it everywhere you go, oil. You're, you're, ooh, that's good. You, you're oily, and that's the picture. That's the New Testament picture of those covered in the oil of God. You can smell the aroma. You can you can tra- trace the steps. All of it, and it all points to Jesus Christ. It's it's Him. We just leave behind the marks of Him everywhere we go. First First John two twenty seven tells us a little about the anointing says, but the anointing which you've received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. And so, once again, the anointing in you is for you, on you, for everyone else. You don't really want them to just see you uncovered by the Lord. You you want people to see the covering of the Lord upon your life. If you think of if you think of the lamp, um, the oil within was the source, and but it produced the fire above, and so the oil within is is that oil of the Holy Spirit. But the fire on your life is really the anointing on the outside of your life that people can see. It's the expression of your love for God. So this uh this resting spirit is the first listed in Isaiah 11 um I think when God puts something first he he oftentimes will want that first amen? amen like when he says seek first the kingdom of God that means seek first in order when he says this is the first and greatest command I think he's very intentional about that and so in here it's it's listed first the the resting spirit and um I believe all other six functions flow because we allow the spirit to rest. Like wisdom, uh, you know, all of them, every single one comes from the resting spirit because when when God rests somewhere, that means he has dominion somewhere. Yeah. You know, that that means we've yielded, we've we've moved things out of the way, we've said, "Lord, this is your church. We want your leadership. Lord, this is your home. This is your heart." And so everything else flows like we have wisdom because he rests upon us, you know. And so um, we have power, we have comfort, or we have counsel. All of these things come because we just yield to like, no, I want him to rest on me. And I won't allow the thoughts of culture. I won't allow the disappointments. I want the Holy Spirit to rest on my life. Everything with the Lord flows through fellowship. I, I didn't learn a lot about sonship growing up. In, in, in the denomination we were part of, it didn't, it, they didn't talk a lot about this stuff. It was, this came to me um, later in life. I learned about sonship because I had a really good mom and dad. And I know not everyone has that, and so they learn about sonship strictly from the Holy Spirit. But I had a really good mom and dad, so I, like, I had no excuse, you know what I mean? Like I had nothing. So I knew what it was like to be loved when I would make bad choices. Um, I, I, I experienced I had a mom and dad that did that, that really, really well. And I'm very, very blessed by that. Um, and I know many people haven't had that. But I want to tell you, you get that through the Holy Spirit, whether you had it in the natural or not. And at some point, at some point, you have to allow those things to be consumed by the spirit of living God and stop using that as a crutch or an excuse. But God can give you everything that you need through the Holy Spirit. And so um, we want to be a a people he rests upon. And that's always been the father's heart. If you want to know God's original intention, look at creation. Like, like, look at Eden. He, He wanted to be with man. It was his longing. It was it was his idea. It was like he longed to walk in the in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Like he he loved them. He didn't want anything to be in between them, include, including even clothes. He wanted them exposed and unafraid, full fellowship with them. I heard this line and I've just owned it. But he's a dwelling God, looking for a people to dwell among. He's always, the character of the Lord, he's always been looking for a people to dwell with. That's why he chose Israel. He was looking for a people to dwell. He was looking for a people that would host his presence, that would follow his leadership. His, his longing in the church today is, I want a people I can dwell among and I can 100% be myself. Like, can, can Jesus just truly be himself? Because sometimes he's an odd leader. You know, the Holy Spirit sometimes does strange things. And a lot of times we're like, well, Holy Spirit, you can come in, but we're going to check you at the door and tell you where to sit. Rather than, no, no, come in and really lead. Really, really show us Jesus. Really stop things when they need stop. Pause things. Like shift things that will move and will adjust following your leadership, no matter what, even when it makes people uncomfortable. God's looking for that, that, that people to dwell among. So Jesus removed the sin barrier, so once again the Holy Spirit could dwell among God's people and we could have relationship with the Father again. Isaiah 11, the, the word rest means to settle down and remain. That's what it means, to, to settle in somewhere. Like God's moving in kind of thing. And um, we, we want to move based, based upon his movement. And so um, Jesus Christ, can we all agree, he was the perfect resting place for the Holy Spirit. If the dove is going to fly and land somewhere, Jesus gave the, the perfect landing spot. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard about this, but it, the law of principle or the rule of first mention in scripture you guys, do you guys know? The, the, the rule of first mention is a guideline that many use for studying Scripture. It's not an end-all, and you can take it too far. I want to say that. But, it, but it, is a, it is a guideline. But here's what the law of first mention says. It states that to understand a particular word or doctrine, we find the first place that it's mentioned in Scripture, um, and then we, we, we see what's revealed in the first mention. Um, the reason is the Bible's first mention of a concept is usually the simplest and the clearest presentation of that idea. And then you you go through the rest of Scripture and and build and grow and it enhances. It doesn't work with everything. Are, are you with me? But it does work with some things where we get a great understanding of a point that God's really trying, trying to give. So the thought is to fully understand an important or complex theological concept Um, the the Bible students can start with the idea of first mention. So, for example, like the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, it gives us a grid and an understanding of how the Holy Spirit's poured out. Make sense? Okay. And so, it's not a hard and fast rule, though, and, like, you can take it too far. I'll just go ahead and give you that. Okay. So, consider... With that said, consider why God chose a dove to represent the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered that? Consider why God chose a dove out of all of the majestic creatures that he chose. Why, why a dove to be representative of, of the Holy Spirit um, resting upon Jesus? Um, Leonard Ravenhill. Anyone, Any Leonard Ravenhill ever? Okay, cool. Yeah, if you really want to feel bad about your life... <laughs> but but like he will just like hammer you but it feels good yeah. yeah hammered so good but he 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 taught on this this whole concept of the dove um with nine main um Right wing feathers, nine main left wing feathers, and five main tail feathers. And he relates it to um, the, the gifts, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12 on, on one side. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit from Galatians on the other side. And the five main tail feathers being the fivefold ministry, ministry um, that God's released. And how to stay balanced, we need to have both the fruit of God in our life, but we need to have the power so, so we need both the, the charismatic power of the Holy Spirit and we need the character giftings at work. We need both of them. And whenever you go one or, or the other, you don't fly with, with equal balance. And so um, when, you, when you look at the dove, um, there's just a lot of characteristics about it that remind us of the Holy Spirit. And so using the law of first mention, this is the first time a dove was mentioned um, And it's in Genesis chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. He, and this is speaking of Noah, also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself very first mention tells us what about the dove? The dove is looking for a place to rest That's really cool. isn't that cool? The dove is looking for a place to rest. Um, do you know what happened when he re- released the raven the raven didn't wasn't the raven just like flew around and around and around and, and 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 but it shows us the dove is different than the raven. The dove is looking for a place to rest and land when um when we started at Revive, the, the church I pastor in Redmond, Washington, when we first started talking about the Holy Spirit, because God took us into some, a lot of teachings about the Holy Spirit, um, we have a lot of crows in our area, like abnormal amount. My wife hates them, hates crows with a passion. She just d- won't stop talking about it. Um, she hates crows. And so if they're in our yard, she like yells at them. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I'm like me and the boys are like, you need to calm down about the crows. They're not evil in and of themselves. Okay, so crows are like common. Well, when we start preaching on the Holy Spirit, I'm not making this up. I actually have a picture. A family of doves moved into our property at Revive. It was the strangest thing. You don't see. You don't even see doves in that area hardly. The white white doves moved into our our property um, at Revive. And we all just saw it as a sign from the Lord. Like, wow. They didn't actually stick around that long. They, they, stayed, they stayed around for a while. But I'm like, the Lord, the Lord is looking for a place to land. He's looking for a place to land. And so he's looking for a resting place. And um, he rests on humble and hungry hearts. And I'll tell you what, a, what an atmosphere of prayer does it releases humble and hungry hearts. You can't be in the presence of God and, and not walk in humility. If you're not in humility, you're probably not actually in the presence of God. Like, it's a gift that comes simply from having the fear of the Lord and being in His presence. It's like, in, in the presence of a mighty God, I'm very small. <laughs> it's, very, it's very humbling that I can sing songs to Jesus and He enjoys them. Doesn't that move your heart? Like It's very humbling that I can offer these just weak, lame prayers, and he's moved by them. That's a very humbling, humbling thing that my affections move him. But we first have to be moved by his affections for us to understand my affections move him. That there's not a tear that I've ever cried that he has lost count of. That there's not a prayer that's been released that he doesn't hold close to his heart. Like He's, he's that kind of God. So the dove's looking for a landing place. In John 1.32, um, you guys okay for just a little bit longer? Okay, I love you guys. Just a little bit more. In John 1.32, John testified. So Jesus' cousin said, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. The Gospel of John points out that, that that the other gospel writers don't don't point attention to John's Gospel. though, said the dove remained on Jesus, remained remained on him. And so, um, John one thirty three, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that, a, isn't that a beautiful picture of, uh, we know Jesus had the fullness of the indwelling, but he really didn't start his miraculous ministry. We don't know of any miracles that he ever did before the dove rested upon him. Once the dove rested upon him, it, he released the anointing from heaven on everyone else around him. So, we, so we, he had perfect relationship with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. But when the dove landed on him, now he was going to give heaven away. And so if you're if you're someone the spirit rests upon, you can give heaven away. It's not just for you. Yeah. Hear me on this, because I say this in love, but the church has to get to a place where we actually believe we own the breakthrough that Jesus paid for, so we can start giving it away to the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like we have to believe that and, and walk in that, and walk in that freedom. And I know there's patience. God has lots of patience. Amen. He's long suffering for your maturity, for my maturity. Like, he suffers long. He, he suffered long over me, you know, and there's still so many areas I want to mature, in, but he suffers long over your full growth, over your full maturity, because he wants you to give away the kingdom of God. And so, Jesus was the perfect resting place for the dove to remain. He's perfect in love, holiness, power, purity yieldedness to the leadership and the voice of the father and that's our invitation so the holy spirit the holy spirit within us pursues our fullness he draws us into the deeper work of sanctification or being filled with the holy spirit god wants every one of his children to enter into this place of being filled and remain in that place it's, it's interesting. When you look at the, the apostolic order, you know, the, the, the baptism of the church in Acts 2 and, and flowing, flowing through, it wasn't just about the past of being baptized. So they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just about an event, but you never want to deny the event because the event needs to take place where you yield your all to God, at least all that you know. And then you may be two years down the road or maybe two weeks down the road and realize I have more to yield to God and I want to burn in this. And so it becomes this continual filling and with joy in the Holy Spirit. So um, Holy Spirit is going to keep pursuing all of us. He's going to keep pursuing us individually and he's going to pursue you corporately because the Holy Spirit, more than anybody, wants the John 17 prayer of Jesus for unity to be fulfilled in the Bride of Christ. So he's going to keep bringing you into the longings of the Lord individually and corporately. And I would contend there are certain things the Holy Spirit will only bring you into corporately. Just as there are certain things he'll only bring you into individually. And so we want to be really aware of, um, I, I, to be honest, I experienced the Lord, it, it's changed throughout my life. In the last three or four years, I have experienced the manifest presence of the Lord more in the corporate, corporate room with other people than I have in isolation. Why? Because he's invited me into that place. He's, he's bringing, he's trying to bring the whole bride into the bedroom. And the place of prayer and adoration and yieldedness and brokenness. The bedroom, the bedroom is the house of prayer. It's where intimacy, it's where things, it's where, it's where his seed goes. It's, it's the place where he wants us. Holy Spirit relays the deepest things of the Father and the Son. And he puts a hunger in our heart for fullness. Here's, here's the truth that we know. The dove will not adjust to you, so we commit to lives adjusting to the dove. He won't adjust to you. Uh, he, he, he demands our allegiance. Can we just say that? He pulls us, he pulls us with yearnings into like, I want to give God more. He won't adjust to you. He, you can't say, if you have something in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord, he will never adjust to that and accept that part of your life. He loves you. And that's where holiness comes in. This, like, it's, it, but holiness is happy. It's not sad. It's happy holiness. It's, it's intimacy with the Lord. It's like um, when I got married to my wife, there are certain things I had to get rid of in order for our marriage to be fruitful. It's the same with the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit's going to keep drawing us in and he's going to keep calling us to adjust. The more we see of the Lord, the more we'll be required to adjust to His where he's burning. And that's the reward of adjusting and knowing the pleasure of God. So every believer has the Holy Spirit. You're given the Spirit at new birth. This is called being born again. I know this is basic, but it's okay. It's, God's bringing the basics back to life. It's called being born again. And uh, I remember, I, I'm, just, I, I'm under the impression in every group there's people that aren't born again. It's, it's not a shame thing. I, we, we had a girl that just started coming to our church. This was just like two months ago. And um, we started praying and we recognized we had a stronghold and someone was done praying with her. And she goes, I still feel it. And I just simply asked the question, are you born again? What does that mean? I'm Catholic. I don't, I don't know what that means. And so, no, it's when you just like say yes, confess you're a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ, receive him as Lord. And she's like, yeah, I want that. Like, no one had explained the simplicity of the gospel. Like, we were trying to get her free, and she wasn't born again. And, like, let's go back to the basics. Like, do you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit living in you? And, you know, proof of sonship and identity is do you long for God more than you long for sin? It's not even do you have the fullness of your breakthrough. Do you long for Him more than you long for sin? That's really incredible proof the Holy Spirit's in you. Because Satan doesn't produce those kinds of longings. Isn't that good news? Like, if you have a longing for God, that longing came from God, you can't express that good of a longing. Because sometimes what people like ache for, like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm like, dude, that's evidence of sonship. Quit beating yourself up. Just say yes to the Lord and step into the more that He has for you. But, like, are you born again? The next thing is, God wants every single person filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you filled. He't he Here's the thing. we come to the altar. we have nothing to offer God as a sinner. We have nothing to give Him but sin. It's beautiful. You can't offer God yourself. You can't offer yourself to God when you're in sin. All you can offer Him is your sin. It's the gospel. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. And so you come as a hot mess. You don't try to clean up any part of your life. You don't try to make it look better. He doesn't care what the outside looks like. He wants a corrupt heart cleansed by the power of his blood. And and so you come and you just offer him crap. Can I say that at church or not? You just offer him junk trash, garbage, and he receives it and it takes you back to 2,000 years ago where a man on a cross paid for every single portion of that sin. So he gives you the spirit of sonship and the first thing the spirit of sonship wants to cry out from you is Abba, he wants you to call the father daddy. He wants you to be moved in love to say, I was once a son of the enemy, and now I'm a son of God, and by faith I can say he's my dad, he's my father, and I never have to question again. So that's a picture of like rebirth, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, now it's different. Now you come to the altar, you have everything to offer him. Scripture says what was once used to offer the enemy in unrighteousness and bore the fruit of unrighteousness, now he calls you his own. He calls you holy even when you don't feel like it. And so you come and say, here's my instruments. I put myself on the altar. Now fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want your fire. I want the full expression of God, at least all that I know and all that I can contain. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. And like all these different movements, we get hung up on what should happen when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. The number one thing that should happen, you should have a life that starts looking more like Jesus Christ. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anyone. It makes you better than you. You take a weaker version of yourself. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, so you can bear His fruit, and so the Spirit can manifest any of His gifts through any yielded believer. Any of His gifts. First Corinthians twelve. I know I'm all over the place. Bless you guys. I love you so much. First First Corinthians twelve. Is, is not a suggested list for what you're good at. It is a list of what the Holy Spirit has perfected. And he can yield any of his gift through any yielded believer. Any Christian can lay their hands on the sick and get well. Any Christian can operate in the miraculous. Any Christian can have the gift of faith. Any Christian can speak in tongues. I know I'm going to get in trouble. Any, Christi- any Christian can do any of the gifts as they're yielded to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can yield any of his gifts. The only ones that we don't have access to is where we have unbelief and we won't step forward in faith. Unbelief is the one thing that will cut off a move of God in your heart. And I've had my own unbelief with certain issues and I've had to repent I've repented so much over my life, I don't even I'm sure there's something now. Praise the Lord. But I'm his son, so I don't get stressed out about it. Like he'll show me, he'll reveal it, and then I'll be faithful and do it. And so um the, the dove won't adjust, so we just we we adjust to the dove. And when we see God has a longing to fill you with his Holy Spirit, then I want the longings that are expressed by God in me to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen. And so um we we are repurposed when we're reborn. We're repurposed into the image of God. And God wants to possess you. If Satan wants to possess someone, how much more does the Holy Spirit want to possess his people? Amen. If demons can possess a body, how much more the Holy Spirit can possess a body? Spirit, soul, and flesh. I can be possessed by God. Do you know what else so we're saved. Man, can I just, uh, when we end today, if you're like, uh, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want, this, I want this fire that you were talking about. Would you please just come up and ask for it today? I feel, like, I feel a grace, honestly, today for people being filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt it when we were doing worship earlier. And so if that's, if that's you or, if, or if, if, if you've been filled and been walking in this, but you just are rekindling the flames, just come up for fire. Let's just come up and ask today. You know, you have not because you ask not, so ask. And so um, so, so, we're filled, we're, we're, we're sanctified with, with, you know, marked by God, consecrated. Um, but he really wants a people that now he can rest on. So you're really, you're saved and you're filled um, so that you have purpose so he can rest on your life and you can give God away everywhere that you go. And so um, the anointing that Jesus walked in... Um, and invites us into is this deep fellowship that comes from God resting on people. It's just an incredible truth that God will, will rest on us. Um, in, you know, the resting spirit, though, here's, here's the thing, has a lot to do with our daily yieldedness to his leadership. The deposit, all of those things I talked about. Like, he's not going to leave us or forsake us. Is everyone okay? Like, so you don't go back on that. But we're talking about the resting spirit that Jesus walked in, who never grieved the Holy Spirit. We often grieve the Lord. Sometimes we, you know we'll hit a we'll hit a like a, a stride and we're just like man I'm just like in alignment with the lord he's doing things and then you know something weird happens in our life and all of a sudden we turn from from truth and we're not we're still saved we're still walking with the lord we just turn our affections and we're so focused on that Other thing that we lose out on the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, so we're not hearing His voice like we should. You know, times get dry, all of that, and we know He calls us back to that place. We know the drill, right? We were Christians. We've we've experienced that, but um, the daily yieldedness is a really big deal to the Lord. And I think this this comes in play with giving God your first fruits, being in the word every day, being in his voice, being obedient to, to what to what you know, and quickly repenting, you know, when you when you fall short of that. But the truth is the spirit rests differently on different believers. That's a hard truth. He doesn't he doesn't rest the same on different believers. Why? Because there's, there's believers that are just all in. They have a yieldedness to their life. And you know when you're around them. You, you, I know when I'm around like a Christian who like doesn't carry joy. And you're like, oh man, they just squandered whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to do in the room. Then I know around people when they have increasing joy and you're around them and you're like, every time I'm around this person, I leave strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. I, you just know. You just, I don't remember, what, what's your name in the beard, and the, the really cool hair, amazing musician? What is it? Tim, when Timothy walk, when he walked in the room, he carried such an expression of the love of God that it, it actually, I, I, there was a shift in the atmosphere when he walked in the room today. There, there is, and, and, there's, and so many of you, I could say that about, there's, there's just, the spirit rests on people differently, and we're not supposed to compare with other people. That we're just supposed to, like, how does the Spirit rest on me and what do I release when I'm living like more aware of Him than problems? It's an awareness issue. Like, I'm just more aware of God. It's, it's, it's just a, a life turned into fire. And so, um, in Jesus' first coming, He proclaimed, I'm the one. I'm the anointed one. I'm I'm the Messiah. I'm the one he rests upon. I'm the one who's who's overflowing. I'm the one who was prophesied about. In his in his second coming though, do you ever do you ever read the Bible and just be like, "Man, God's God's version of the church is so much better than mine." <laughs> like his expectations are so much higher than mine. Like like I've read Ephesians and I'm like, you expect us to reach the maturity of the stature of the person of Jesus Christ? Like, we're, we're going to be the revelation of Jesus to the earth? Like, that's going to be us? Like, like, what we're a part of is so much bigger than, like, um, a private devotional life or even what's going on in the local community. Like, we're intertwined with the expression of God on planet earth to become the full expression of of the stature of the maturity of Jesus Christ himself. So like we'll be known as the ones the Spirit rests upon if we don't give up and we keep yielding to him. Like They'll see Jesus Christ in us prior to his return. Prior to his return. I know there's certain things that won't happen until he comes back, but he has really high expectations for his church before he comes back. And I think it's just a continually applying yourselves to the devotion of the Holy Spirit so that you can yield to his leadership. And the number one way the Spirit speaks is through prayer and fellowship. And it doesn't end here. I, I feel like this is the beginning. And then it, it, it moves out. And do you, ever, do you ever sometimes dream with God of what could be possible in your lifetime? Like what, what Adam experienced? I... I I was uh I'm really getting close now. Are you guys hungry? Okay. I we have we live we live near this um this giant park. It's called St. Edwards. It used to be a a catholic uh like training grounds and all of this um but like a lot of things in the Seattle area it's kind of turned pagan. You know, and so um, it's now become a really earthy, you know, natural school, but they get into lots of weird stuff. But um, like, it's my sanctuary. I love it. I love it. I I I call it a thin place with the Lord, where you just experience God. And um, I, you guys probably have those thin places. You just know. I hear God here. It's just special. Some guys maybe it's even fishing or something. Like, there's a thin spot. I just I just like meet with God here. And there was this encounter. There was this encounter that I had. And it was so interesting because I I would love to be a runner, but I'm really just hate it. <laughs> Chad, I'm sorry. I hate it. I, I just don't want... I have an electric bike <laughs> with really big tires so I can go really fast on dirt roads and stuff. But I was over there running, and the Lord was just like, just walk with me. Just walk with me. And this is the only time this has happened. I... The spirit came on me so heavily, as I was walking, I just began to just weep and just like, um, and I felt the spirit say, "This is what," and I know this was my own encounter, but this is what Adam felt in the garden, Todd. And I was delighting, and it was only, it was only a few minutes, and I, I was like Jesus. <laughs> I'm asking for this to be longer because I was just feeling the pleasure of the Lord with such a magnitude. I everything about my thinking was elevated. It was in a different spot. I I came out of a natural mind, and I felt like for a moment I was in this space of more that I was asking and longing for all of the time. And the Lord gave me like a taste of it, an expression of Himself. And I remember just saying, "Lord." I didn't want to talk about anything. I just wanted to be with him. I didn't want to intercede. I just was enjoying the pleasure of God loving me, not even me. It was just him loving me, him giving me a gift. And I just wanted it to be longer and longer and longer. Um, but, it, but after like a few minutes, it, it lifted. And my, my heart began to grieve because I wanted him in that capacity all the time. And I think he does that for us once in a while through an encounter that gives us a hopeful expectation of what is to come. Yeah. I've seen moments, you know, in my life where like bodies were healed so easily, and other moments it felt like I was striving and nothing was moving. And I'm like, Lord, why did you why did you move so mightily on that? But then, and I really believe the Lord is is prepping us. I believe he's gonna take every good part of himself that he's revealed to you every testimony every touch every influence every like all of your history with the Lord and he's going to use that to really stir up faith for what is to come on a regular basis like what will it look like when the church is walking in such an agreement with the Lord and so much fellowship with him that we have an increased presence upon our life that our thinking is more like his than it is like ours Where our hope and expectation for healing and deliverance and breakthrough are more of his faith just flowing through than us trying to strive to get faith. Do you know what I mean? Like like what if there's a day coming... That we're preparing ourselves for where he sweeps across the church with such a magnitude that he's just looking for people who will be filled with him, used by him, anointed by him so they can lead the masses, the millions and billions of souls that he wants harvested for the kingdom of God. But he wants a group of people that learn how to fellowship with him now in part. Like I I really, really long to be someone God can rest on. And I haven't, and I'm not living in the place that I know is possible yet, but I press on. Amen. I press in because I experience it in part often. Amen, beloved. Yes, it's about loving God wholeheartedly. It's about not shaming yourselves and just allowing the Lord to do His deep, deep, deep work, learn what He loves, learn what He hates, seek His purposes. If it grieves or quenches the Holy Spirit, just be willing to remove it from your life. Uh, yeah, just just it's the most important relationship we have. So, like we we focus our attention upon Him because His attention's always on us. I think He really wants to release more enjoyment of His presence. I I really believe like in the superior pleasures of God I, I lived five or six of my, my years of my life just seeking earthly pleasure and every time earthly pleasure like happened it just left a remnant of hell I don't know how else to put it guilt like hooks in me addictions um, wrongful thinking But every time like I've experienced the superior presence of of being loved by God and and loving Him in return, it always leaves a remnant of Jesus Christ. There's always, every time, if you you watch for it, every time the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus leaves a gift. I think sometimes we miss it because it's not the gift we're looking for that day. But He always leaves a gift behind. There's always evidence that Jesus has been in the room. Because because maybe, maybe you're just not like having this divine encounter, but maybe it's peace that day. And he just leaves the deposit of peace and you don't know why or how, but you just walk out of this building and you're not striving anymore for anything. Maybe it's joy. Like you walk out and there's just not you're just not dealing with anxiety anymore. Just, it's gone. You can't even mark exactly when it happened. But because you put yourself faithfully in the right place, he just deposited something you needed. Uh, he heals bodies in worship. He heals minds, souls, like demons flee. Like He does all of that just from a worshiping heart that's not striving. It's just part of the kingdom of God. It's like the blessing of knowing God. And as we just watchful and we're thankful about every move and we're not saying, oh, I wish we were this. I wish, man, just be thankful for what you have. You have something so, so wonderful here. It's, it's beautiful. Jesus is doing some amazing, incredible work here. And I just pray you guys can all see it because he's allowing me to see it. There's a remnant of something. and if, if you'll grab it, he's going to build something so, so wonderful and beautiful here. Like he's I feel like just all the right people are in place. It's just all the right people just really becoming builders of this house. You know, Paul called himself a master builder, and I I think about that one a lot. It's like God's looking for master builders that are good at one thing. Like they have one task that they just excel at, and it actually is glue and and building for the church. And like, you know, I, I I just pray, like, find that one thing where you feel the delight and the pleasure of the Lord above all other things, and if that's playing a guitar or singing a song and you feel the delight of the Lord or if it's prayer or intercession or serving in some capacity, find that one place where you find His oil, where you find His delight and give yourself fully to that one thing and the pleasures of God will supersede anything else you've ever experienced in life. That's all I got. I'm gonna pray, but I, I man, we would love. I, I know there's amazing leaders here, and I think we'll call the call the leadership up that that is on the prayer team or whatever. But I know, I know, I'm just if I put my hand on your heart today, I'm praying for fire. Don't even tell me what to pray for. <laughs> I, I'm only praying one prayer today, and so, it, but. It, it, yeah, can, can we stand to our feet and just like, it, it, you know, if Holy Spirit's spoken to you, just, just come get prayer. Um, is this when the leaders come up to pray with people? All right, leaders, whatever you're doing out there, come up. Jesus, we just, we just thank you. We love you. We, we love you how you work, Holy Spirit. We just open our heart and our mind up to your wonderful and beautiful ways. We even open our hearts up to the mysteries of God. Scripture says we're stewards of mystery. Lord, would you unlock today, I'm asking for that heart today to be unlocked to the fullness of your measure. We're asking today, Lord, the one with fiery eyes, hair like wool, shining like the sun, the one in the high priestly robe, with bronze shoes that defeats all of his enemies, the one that walks among seven lampstands. Jesus is his name. But Lord, you pour out your fire in such a way today, Lord, that that we are ignited for you. Holy Spirit, help us to do this. This is a work that comes from you. It's not by man's might or by power, but by the Holy Spirit. So we just pray for the oil to increase the intimacy with God. For the fire on the altars to be released, touch people's hearts today. Fill them up with the Holy Ghost, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.